face and mercy and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. <coughs> the word of our Lord that we consider together this morning is today's gospel from Matthew chapter 2. Think for just a moment about gifts that you gave or received this past Christmas. Did you receive any unexpected gifts from people that you don't know at all? Usually that doesn't happen. Today's Bible reading tells us about an unexpected gift that Mary and Joseph and Jesus received from some people they did not know at all around the time of that very first Christmas. One day, some magi stopped at the house where they were living. Magi were astronomers and scholars and philosophers who were highly respected in the ancient world. And they came to that house and they brought some lavish, expensive gifts. Not only did they spend a lot of money on their gifts, they also expended great effort and likely many weeks of time to personally deliver these gifts. And we might wonder why. Why would they go to such lengths to bring such costly gifts to a child who was too young to even remember that they were there? Now, there are quite a few things about the Magi that that we just don't know. We do know that they were very likely the first non-Israelites to see the promised Savior who had come for all nations. How many of them traveled to worship Jesus? Most nativity sets will show three magi, but the Bible doesn't tell us exactly. When did they come? They were not there together with the shepherds at the manger, but it was some time later on. Where did they come from? We only know that it was somewhere in the east. Hundreds of years before this, the prophet Daniel had been one of the, the wise men who served the king of Babylon as an advisor while Israel was in captivity there. So it's possible that they came from this area that was hundreds of miles away. Why did they come? Well, this we do know. They had come to find the one who was born king of the Jews. They had seen a special star that announced his birth. But how did they know the meaning of that star? They must have known a Bible verse from the book of Numbers, where a man named Balaam had been hired to place a curse on the Israelites. The king of Moab offered to pay him a large amount of money to do that. But whenever he opened his mouth to try to do that, God allowed him only to speak words of blessing. And one of the things he said was this, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star will come out of Jacob. A scepter will arise out of Israel. 
And the Magi must have thought of these words when the star appeared, and they quickly traveled to the land of Israel to find this newborn king. But this was not just to satisfy their curiosity. They tell us exactly why they came. They said, we have come to worship him. They believed that this little child was more than a human baby, more than someone destined to be a human king. They believed him to be true God and worthy of their worship. They recognized the darkness of their sin. And they rejoiced that this little one, whose birth was announced by the light of a star, came to bring them true light of hope and peace and joy in life. And so they traveled to Jerusalem, the capital city, expecting to find this new king there. But no one there seemed to know or even care about this event, at least not until King Herod heard about this inquiry about a, a new king. King Herod was suspicious and brutal and bloodthirsty. He had killed many people over the years of his reign. And he was concerned about a possible rival to his throne. So he called together the religious leaders to, to find out where this promised one was to be born. In Bethlehem, they said. A little village just six or seven miles away from Jerusalem. God's prophet Isaiah had written 700 years before this. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Now, did you notice how God led the Magi to find their Savior? He did it by means of his written word. He could have used that star to lead them the entire way to Bethlehem. But God shows us here how highly he values his written word. Now, we might think it would be exciting if we could see a star like that. But please never forget the value of the Bible. In his word, God leads us directly to see our Savior so that we may know his love and come to worship him too. Worship. That is what the Magi did when they arrived at the house where Jesus and his family were staying. As soon as they saw little Jesus, they bowed down before him, placing themselves on the ground in true humility. And then they presented the gifts that they brought, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. These were costly, precious gifts. Frankincense was a high-quality incense that was often used in worship. As it burned on an altar, the, the fragrance ascended toward heaven, offered to God. Myrrh could be used to relieve pain, and it was a burial spice. Do you remember what the soldiers offered to Jesus when they were crucifying him? 
wine mixed with myrrh, which he did not drink at that time to dull the pain. And then later that day when Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea placed Jesus' body in a grave, they wrapped it in strips of linen together with myrrh and aloe. But how would Jesus use gold and frankincense and myrrh as a little baby? Now perhaps Mary and Joseph were able to use this to cover expenses for that trip they were going to have to make to Egypt quickly. But for the Magi, their main concern was simply to show their thankfulness to their Savior. They brought the best and costliest gifts that they could bring to declare what their Savior was worth to them. And isn't that what worship is about? Our word worship comes from an old English word for worth. And with our worship, we declare what God is worth to us. And that is why we come gladly and often to God's house to hear and learn his word. Instead of feeling that once every few weeks is good enough. That is why we focus carefully on what is happening and enthusiastically take part in spoken responses and singing because we know that our Savior is worth far more than a favorite team that we might follow and cheer on with excitement. And we bring to him generous gifts out of thankful and joyful hearts. But worship is about far more than what we bring or what we do. If you would have asked those magi about the long journey they made and their expensive gifts, they would have quickly talked about another gift, far more valuable than their gift, that was offered by someone who traveled far more than hundreds of miles. They would have said, look at God's gift to us. Look at the Son of God who traveled from heaven to earth, who traveled from eternity to time. Look at this one who left the riches of heaven to make himself poor to save us. Look at this one who offered far more than gold or incense, the one who offered holy, precious blood of his sinless life and his innocent death as he gave a ransom on the cross to free us from sin and from eternal death. This is the gift, the greatest gift of all. And what is this gift that our Savior brings worth to us? Just think about what our Savior has given for us and now gives to us. The one who is true God became truly human to save us. Every moment of his life, he overcame Satan's temptations and he lived without selfishness or anger, but always with perfect love toward his heavenly Father and towards others, including us. 
And then he allowed our sins to be placed upon him. He who has no sin was condemned for our sins so that he might remove them from us forever. And in his rising from death, all sins have been declared forgiven and sinners, including you and me, have been declared not guilty. And this is all a gift. We call it grace. God's undeserved love that we know that we are not worthy of. And we acknowledge that too in our worship. In worship, we acknowledge that God is holy and we acknowledge ourselves as as sinners. We see the darkness of our shame and our guilt those words and actions that we wish we had not done, or times that we failed to worship or worshiped only half-heartedly. We realize the dark eternity of suffering that we deserve for our sins against God. And we rejoice that God has chosen to shine the light of his saving love. That little one whom the Magi bowed before brings us his saving light. In him, we have rescue from our sins. His light provides light for our path. His light gives hope and guidance for the future, even when it may appear dark and uncertain. And his light leads us to seek him as the Magi did when they saw that star. There are Christmas cards that read, The wise still seek him. Our banner says something very similar to that too. The wise still seek him. Let this new year be a year of seeking him where he may be found right in his written word. May you and I use this new year of God's grace to gladly come together to worship him, to strive to grow in the knowledge of his word, to encourage fellow believers to grow in grace, to live in his light with humble obedience and willing service, and to reflect his light to those who do not yet know him. Like the Magi, you and I have received an unexpected, undeserved gift again this Christmas. The gift of our God leading us to see our Savior. In him we receive mercy, forgiveness, life, strength, and hope in abundance and in joyful, thankful response, we come to worship him. Amen. I invite you to stand.